opinions voiced in Investing Simplified with Bo Caldwell are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with an attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investors cannot invest directly in indexes. The performance of any index is not indicative of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. A diversified portfolio does not assure profit or prevent losses in a declining market. Roth IRA conversion is a taxable event. Guests on Investing Simplified are not affiliated with Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated. Investment services offered through Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated, an SEC registered investment advisor. We do investing simplified. Welcome to Investing Simplified. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for making us a part of your day. However, you may be listening. As a reminder, if you miss parts of today's show, or you just like to listen to the replay or just like to listen to me, Bo Caldwell, President and CEO here at Price Financial Group, uh, if you'd like to just listen to me ramble, that's great. And, you know, I, I could use the ego boost. You can always download replays of our show via our website at www.pricefg. Dot com. You can also download the podcast version as we do play this live on the radio, but then we put the replay up on podcast for those folks to listen to whenever they want. Apple Podcasts is going to be your best bet. We try to post that there within a week after the show originally airing because we want to make sure the content stays fresh. As I said, Bo is back in the house. I'm here all by my lonesome today. Matt and Matt are busy helping our clients navigate this uh, you know, new world order, as it were, that we have in the markets these days. And if you have been listening... Earlier this week, we had you know you know we had the Fed come out and talk about interest rate hikes. We've had earnings for big tech companies like Apple and Amazon and Google, really that have driven the market you know up in the past and down in the past. And if you've been watching, the market has been doing its dance. You know, I like to say three steps forward, two steps back. And if you've been watching to see what might happen, and if you're looking all day every day. I'm going to argue that, you know, you should think of the old adage, a watched pot never boils. Now, when you think about it, that's kind of a silly adage, right? Because the pot will eventually boil. The water will boil. But so the idea that a watched pot never boils is inaccurate, right? But if you're watching it, it feels like it takes longer. So if you're staring at a screen or you're staring at the market, you're watching, you know, Fox Business or CNBC or Bloomberg, or you're looking on your computer and just watching it, or you pull up your iPhone and you're looking at that, you know, stocks app, or I'm not sure what it is on the, uh, uh, on the Android version because I don't have an Android, but uh, whatever that stock version is, you're on Yahoo Finance, wherever you are, if you're watching it constantly, you're going to drive yourself crazy. It's going to seem like it takes forever for it to do anything. And generally speaking, if you're trying to time the market, you're going to be wrong because the Fed came out this week and said, hey, we're not done raising interest rates. Now, Jerome Powell, who I, I've used this phrase with my clients, I trust him about as far as I can throw him. And I'm a big, strong guy, but I can't throw him very far. Personally, I think the people at the Fed are just in it for their own interests, right? They're not really in it to try and help the economy or help with interest rates. I just, you know, I, I have a, I, I would call it a healthy distrust for 
politicians of any stripe, right? But what they've said is, hey, we've seen disinflation, which means not deflation. So when you hear the word disinflation, it doesn't mean that things are getting cheaper because they're just not. Anybody who you know buys anything knows that. But the increase in prices does appear to be slowing. And that makes sense, right? Obviously, we look back at all the you know factors that went into why inflation was so high. We got supply chain disruptions because of COVID. We have all this money injected into the economy. People are spending more, you know, avian flu for birds, and that's why eggs cost more. And there's a war in you know in, in Eastern Europe, and that's contributing to oil prices going up. And then oil prices are how everything gets to our markets, right? Trucks are how trucks deliver those eggs that are now costing more because all these birds have died. Now you have fewer eggs, so supply and demand. Now those eggs have to get to the market. How do they get to the market? They come in a truck. Well, the trucking company has to pay more for diesel fuel because oil is is so high right now. So then that's going to be passed down. You think about lumber costs more, so housing builds are going to cost more. All this other stuff contributes right to inflation. We've seen inflation over time be a pretty constant in our lives. I've used the adage that my grandfather paid more for his last car than he did for his first house. Right? And it's crazy when you really think about it because cars cost so much these days. You know, I had sticker shock. I looked at, oh my goodness, that's how much a new car costs? That's how much a new Toyota Corolla costs. And I'm not knocking Corollas. That's what I drive. Right? It's a great car, great car company in my opinion. But looking at how much a brand new Toyota Corolla costs now is crazy. It's insane how much you know vehicles cost. Add into it that now that interest rates are raised, you have to pay more if you get a car loan. But what Jerome Powell is seeing and what the Fed is seeing is that their efforts, they believe, of raising interest rates have driven the inflationary factors back so that they're not quite increasing as fast. But there you're saying we still see more rate hikes coming. And I personally think there's at least one more 25 basis point or quarter of a percent rate hike coming. I personally don't think that they're going to lower interest rates this year, which, you know, very well could cause a full, you know, full blown recession. And depending on how you look at recessions, I personally believe that there's one coming inevitably. I'm hopeful, I'm cautiously optimistic that it'll be a relatively soft recession. I don't say soft landing, but it will be a mild you know, recession that should be over relatively quickly, I would think. But we are in uncharted territory because of the way the Fed's monetary policy has been in the past and the way it is now. So I don't really know what's going to happen with those rate hikes. But the point I'm trying to make is they ha- they raised rates. That should be bad for stocks. And you saw the day after Jerome Powell came out and said that, right? The Fed minutes came out, the market went gangbusters, crazy to the upside. Then it went, you know, not crazy, not as crazy, but down pretty hard afterwards. Earnings have come out for these companies, these, you know, these companies like Apple and Amazon and Google, and their earnings are not as good as they have been in the past. The earnings were pretty poor. They revenue was okay on a lot of them, but guidance that these companies are saying, Hey, we expect to make less revenue or earnings per share. They make, make less actual profits, right? Than we had than we had in the past because of these factors, these inflationary factors, as well as the cost of borrowing, right? The cost of doing business. You're seeing all these big companies lay off 
a lot of people. I read just the other day that Disney is looking to lay off, you know, 70,000 people, I think, something like that, right? These big companies are laying off a lot of people. These are recessionary factors. And yet, and yet the economy is adding more jobs, right? Jobs report came out super hot. So it's been really funny to watch these news-driven cycles because good news or supposedly good news, like the jobs report, you know, a couple weeks ago, the market dropped when that stronger, you know, strong jobs report because people think that means the Fed's going to raise rates. But then the Fed comes out and says, we're going to raise rates more. Market goes up. So it, it really makes no sense to try and time the market to try and, you know, tactically be in and out and in and out because you have to be right two times, right? You have to be right on when to get in and when to get out, or you have to be right on when to get out and then when to get back in. And our argument is that you tactically build your portfolio, your financial picture, picture, right? You build out what you're looking to do based on your tolerance for these ups and downs. Because I can say one thing that I'm certain of now, I can't guarantee it and nothing is, you know, is guaranteed, obviously, right? Investing always involves risk. There's always a risk of loss when you invest your money. But to me, the one thing that I am fairly certain of is that volatility in the market is here to stay. And I think it really started in 2020 when we started to see the mar- the volatility really come back. We saw those giant swings. We saw what are called limit downs where the market actually shut down for a period of time during the day because it moved down too fast. These are controls that were put in 2008 time. But it's continued. I don't, you know, I, I, I can't recall in my career as many swings of over 1% in a day as we've had in the last couple of years. And when you're talking about how high the S&P 500, the Dow Jones and the NASDAQ 100 are, and they are compared historically, if you think about it, they have gone up over time, historically speaking, they go up over time. Now, does that mean that'll continue? I don't know. Right. I think so. And we're operating under that assumption. Right. But the one thing that has been constant is these big swings in the market. And if that's not something you can stomach, perhaps it behooves you to look at other options that are out there and see what, you know, there might be that could, you know, add ballast to your boat. We use several different fixed income and fixed, you know, fixed rate, you know, interest rate pieces in our portfolios to help balance that risk because there are going to be times when the market is down. That I should say that is one thing that I feel pretty comfortable, you know, guaranteeing people when I talk to them is to say sometime between now and the end of time, the market will be down and your portfolio will be down. Now, I don't know when that is. I don't know if it's tomorrow or next week, probably sometime next week, your portfolio will be down, right? Probably sometime in the next, you know, month, your portfolio will be down. Historically speaking, the market averages about three out of every four years, the market's up. And the one year out of every four, average, it's down. That was last year. Last year was the worst year for a diversified portfolio ever by a lot of metrics, right? So if you had a 60-40 traditional 60% S&P 500, 40% Barclays aggregate, which is just bonds, so 60% stocks, 40% bonds, you got crushed last year because Stocks and bonds were both down big at the same time. And a lot of people got crushed. So don't feel bad. I'm not judging you, right? Portfolios got crushed. But the key is not to look at how did our portfolio do over one year. It's really not to look at how our portfolio did over a couple of years. 
it's to look at if you have a long-term outlook, a long-term focus, yeah, how did your portfolio do in comparison to what you need it to do for your overall financial plan? That's the key, right? Because you're going to have down years and panicking and getting out when you're down is not going to help you. But what can really help provide some clarity is looking at the whole holistic picture. Okay. Hey, my portfolio is down 10, 15%. You know, probably were last year. Most, most, most people's portfolios were down at least 15% last year. But how does that fit into your overall financial plan? Is it staying within the guardrails that you need to accomplish your financial goals? And those are specific to your situation, right? So how have you planned for that volatility? And if you're working with an advisor, ask them, what's the plan for continued market volatility? What is their plan? Have they communicated it to you? And if they haven't, call us. Even if they have and you'd like to see a second opinion on how market volatility might affect your portfolio and your financial goals. Give us a call 503-253-3000 or visit our website www.pricefg.com to schedule a complimentary consultation with a member of our team. Because we'll get, you know, we're going to cut down to the nitty-gritty. We'll give you we'll take that gray area and give you the black and white. We'll say here's how it looks. If this then that. Right? If this then th- then that. Not cuz we're not prognosticators, folks. I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen in the markets. And I'm not going to tell you, Hey, just because you do this, you know, you're going to be up at the end of the year. Or you're going to be down at the end of the year. Cause I don't know. But what I do know is we can use math statistics and a long time horizon to give you a probability, you know, a probable chance of succeeding, right? We want to make sure that we're at the high end of that probability. And we want to look at the plan and feel comfortable because I want you to be able to, when you're retired, not have to worry about it because it doesn't matter what they're saying on CNBC or Fox business. It doesn't matter who's in the white house. It doesn't matter who's in control of Congress. If you have a long-term plan because Republicans, Democrats, independents, people have been in control of the white house for, you know, now going on three centuries, right? We've been a country for that long, two and a half, almost three. Yeah. Good on, yeah. We'll be, you know, 30 years from three. Right. So it, it doesn't really matter who's in the White House or who's in control of things because over time, the market does what the market does. And you want to have a plan for when it does up and a plan for when it does down and a plan for when it stays flat because we very well could be in a situation like we were from 1966 to 1982, right? That was a time when the Dow and S&P were flat over that time, right? That's a long time. And I'll talk about that a little later. It's a concept called sequence of returns. Because this was a question that I've had come up that I want to make sure we talk about. But today we're going to talk a little bit about inheritances. We're going to talk a little bit about estate planning and then talk a little bit about some questions that we've had come in. If you have a question that's been bugging, you send it to askbo, A-S-K-B-O at pricefg.com. I'm going to take a little break here and we'll be back to talk through some inheritance thoughts. This is Investing Simplified. Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming, but once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. 
If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family. We do investing simplified. You're listening to Investing Simplified. Now, back to Bo Caldwell. Welcome back to Investing Simplified. As I mentioned in the opening segment, we're going to talk a little bit about what to do if you've received an inheritance or you are expecting to receive an inheritance. Most of us have family members <clears throat> that are still in our lives and hopefully you still have, you know, parent uh, or guardian or, you know, well, I guess not guardian because we're adults listening to this show, <laughs> but you have a parent or maybe a relative that may be leaving you some money when they pass away. Unfortunately, as we often talk about, the only constants in this world are death and taxes, right? So we can talk about those are the two guarantees that we have. And so at some point, we are bound to lose a relative, and they may leave us some money, right? It can be a bit of a mixed blessing, right? Because we're losing a loved one, and whether that's you know a spouse or a parent or a, you know a favorite uncle or aunt, you know you're dealing with emotions of losing them, and you're trying to organize you know financial and administrative affairs, particularly. If you are the one that is set to handle that, a lot of us are our parents' executors or their personal representatives that will be taking care of their will. And we may not know what's in that will or in that trust. You can't always predict what's left there, but you may kind of have an idea, right? That you may be receiving some type of inheritance. And there are, you know, a lot of things to consider, but I, I like to break it down and really into, you know, these are, you know, it's a lot of issues really, but my top four issues you know, that you got to consider, uh, you know, I'm going to talk about here as a reminder, if you are receiving an inheritance or you think you will, and you want to see how that fits into your overall financial plan, give us a call 503-253-3000. We can sit down virtually over the phone in person, one of our offices here around the Portland metro area, and we will gladly go over the inheritance that you're receiving and how that fits into your overall financial plan because we can help you make sure that you're doing the right thing. So getting back to my top four, you know, items to consider the number one item that really needs to get out there. And a lot of people may not understand this. If you have gone through, you know, the probate process or the estate process when, when processing an estate after a loved one has passed, you know this, but the number one thing is expect the process to take time, right? Settling an estate is a big task, right? It takes a lot of time. And when a, when the decedent or the person who dies, they're called the decedent, if their affairs aren't all in order, it's, it's an even bigger, you know, a bigger task. And apparently, you know, apparently there is a study Gallup, you know, did a poll, they do polling, you know, of, of, you know, folks around the country. And they estimate that less than half of adults in the U.S. have a will or a trust. So less than half of the people out there, according to Gallup, have a, an estate plan actually set up. So that means that you're going to have to potentially go through the probate process. We can avoid probate, as we've talked you know, before, about while using a trust. right? So if, you're, if your relatives have a trust, you avoid probate. But distributions from a trust have its own complexities, right? There's a lot of speed bumps that can come up along the way when you're settling an estate. So 
you know, usually I like to say it, it can take several months and sometimes years, right? So knowing that it could take months or years, it might help you manage expectations, your expectations, and maybe the rest of your family's expectations, because maybe you have some siblings or other folks that are named in the will. And the executor, like I said, is the person who's appointed to administer the will. It's also sometimes called a personal representative. They have to know notify beneficiaries of the of, of the estate. They have to notify interested parties, which may be, you know, other relatives that are not beneficiaries, pay outstanding bills, any bills that were still around when your relative passed away. They gotta close all their accounts that they have. They have to take inventory, right, of all the assets that the person has. And if there are assets that aren't designated in the will specifically, maybe those have to go through probate on their own. And then you have to file a tax return, right? So death and taxes, right? So you still have to file a tax return to pay the ta- you know, the final tax return and potentially an estate tax return because potentially you, if you're above a million dollars in the state of Oregon, and I think it's like a million four, a million five in the state of Washington, or if you're above the federal exemption level, which is much higher, you're going to have to, you know, pay an estate tax on the money above that exemption level. And then once that is all taken care of, right? So we have to notify beneficiaries, close the accounts, all the things I just mentioned, plus deal with the IRS. Then you can finally close the estate. So you can see this could take a long time to close this estate out. So you want to make sure that you are prepared for that time frame and set expectations with your family if you're the executor or if you're just a beneficiary of an estate set your own expectations that the the executor the personal representative is going to have to do all these things and it may take longer than you than you would you know expect so number 1 is be prepared be prepared for it to take a long time that's what i'm saying so number 2 you know in our top 4 you know is have a plan for the money Okay, so if you know that you're going to inherit some money, or you have an inkling that you're going to inherit some money, right? You should you need to have a plan, and I would suggest not just have a plan, but work with a professional. Maybe it's our team, maybe it's your current financial advisor, and take your time figuring out what you're going to do with the money. Because you know when we get an inheritance, it can kind of feel like found money, right? And so. We have a tendency as human beings to do a thing called mental accounting. At least I do and a lot of the folks I talk to where we sort, you know, the money into different, you know, accounts, I'm using air quotes, in our head. And you may treat the money that comes from an inheritance much differently than you would treat money that you earned, right? So statistically, right, most people are more likely to spend a small inheritance and invest a larger one, right? Because bigger amounts of money can be mentally accounted differently, Right. So you can kind of look at, okay, well, there's mental accounting for it. We got also, you know, where did the money come from in terms of which relative can play a part in that? So you may think about the money differently, right? So you want to make sure that you're, okay, this money came from an inheritance, but it's basically the same, right, as if you had earned it. Now, you didn't earn it, so you didn't have to pay taxes on it before. But maybe think about what you're going to do with the money, right? And so... Generally speaking, right, we're thinking it should be treated just the same way as money that you've earned when we're talking about saving, right? If we're looking at talking about uh, spending down, you know, uh, spending down, excuse me, paying down credit cards, paying off high interest debt, right? Saving some extra into your retirement, maybe increase your 401k contributions or your IRA contributions. Rather than just thinking about the inheritance as, you know, as fun money, I would urge you to consider using it just like you got a raise. And we've talked about ad nauseum that when people get raises, 
statistically speaking, as Americans make more money, they don't save more money. They just spend more money, right? And so you want to make sure, okay, hey, let's take care of those things. And I'm not saying use all the money for that because generally speaking, if your parents or your relatives have left you an inheritance, they want you to do something with it, right? They want you to have some some fun. But I would postulate that you should, you know, wait before going and buying that boat or wait before going and buying that brand new car just because you've wanted it and now you inherited some money from mom and dad and consider making that purchase once you've addressed emergency funds, you know, high interest debt, maybe pay down your mortgage a little bit more, get these, you know, financial hurdles off your mind. And I would argue that it will make it a lot easier and a lot more fun to spend the money, right? If you can go spend it on fun things, knowing that you don't have these other priorities that you needed, you know, then it won't weigh on you as much and it'll make it a lot easier to enjoy that fun thing that you're spending, right? Number three is, you know, possibly the most important and it's a little self-serving because, you know, I mentioned before, if you want some advice and, and help on there, but number three is to seek advice from professionals, Right. So that doesn't just include a financial professional like myself or like our team in terms of investing and in terms of how that piece works. You also want to consult with a a tax professional and probably an estate attorney or someone of that sort, right? Because rules for inheriting assets assets are nuanced, right? They're not it's not cut and dry. So there are times when you may have a step up in basis, right, for taxes before you're selling, right? Could that applies to your home? that you inherited, if you inherited property and applies to potentially to stocks or bonds that you may inherit if if your relative had investments. Okay. So the step up in basis means that if you're uh, inheriting, let's say a house, let's say your parents lived in the house for 30 years and they passed away and now they're leaving it to you, you get to step up the basis for that house to the value when they pass away or six months later, depending on what's more effective from an estate planning situation, but that may not be something you want to tackle by yourself. And what that can mean, it can really help because, you know, if your parents bought their home 30 years ago, let's say they bought it for a hundred thousand dollars and now it's worth a million, which is entirely possible, especially in today's real estate climate. If you go out and sell it without knowing about the step up in basis, the IRS is going to look at that as being a hundred thousand dollar house that was sold for a million. Now you have a $900,000 capital gain potential. But if you understand and are working with a professional seeking that advice, helping to make sure that you get it all accurately stated, if the house was worth a million dollars on the day mom died, and now you turn around and sell it for 900000 you actually have a taxable loss that you get to recognize. And potentially, depending on what the situation is, we do have, we work with folks who inherit properties and inherit not just properties, but potentially a, you know, a, a rental property or an investment property or a business that may be down in value by the time you're able to, again, may take months or years to settle the estate. It may be down in value by the time you sell it, based, you know, compared to when your parents passed away. And that can be a large capital loss that you not only can use this year on against your capital gains, but you get to carry that forward. Now, a lot of people don't know, right, that you get to carry that loss forward in perpetuity for the rest of your life. And if you inherit it jointly with your spouse, you get to carry that loss forward in perpetuity for the both of your lives. And that can be really impactful, particularly if you're going to sell an appreciated asset later on. Because if you have, say, in that situation I just described, mom and dad passed away, 
business was worth a million dollars, when you were finally able to liquidate all the assets of the business, you only made $900,000. You only got to pocket $900,000 off the business sale. That's a $100,000 capital loss that you get to carry forward. And if you don't have capital gains, you can write off $3,000 of your income taxes this year, and you still have $97,000 of capital loss that you get to carry forward. So you can save that for when the years when the stock market has a boon, you know, a big booming year, or if you buy an investment property and then sell it later, or just any other reason you have capital gains, or worst case, you get to write off $3,000 of income for the rest of your life. So it can be really, really important because that's just one piece. And I say the rules about inheriting property are nuanced. That's just one piece, right? The taxability portion of it, I get asked this question all the time. Is there inheritance tax? And there is not an inheritance tax in Oregon or Washington or federally, okay? There is no, there is an estate tax, not an inheritance tax. And the estate tax only applies to the estate. So if you are a beneficiary, meaning if you are inheriting money or property from a relative, once you actually get the money distributed to you, it has already been taxed. The money, the executor, the personal representative, the person taking care of distributing that estate has already paid the estate tax. So even if you inherit a million dollars in stocks or in cash from your parents, you do not owe taxes on that inheritance. Now, if the money is in an IRA or if the money is in a retirement plan or if the money, you know, any of these other things, there may be tax owed and which comes back to the point of working with a financial professional, right? And I think multiple financial professionals is who you really should work with. You should have it, like I said, an accountant, an attorney, and a financial advisor would be my advice. And if you'd like that financial advisor to be our team, or if you'd like to just check out and see what we'd have to say about being your financial advisor, give us a call, 503-253-3000 to set up your complimentary review with our team. All it'll cost you is you know an hour or two of your time. Okay, the last piece I'll leave you with, it's just number four, right? This is my top, my fourth item. If you're thinking you're gonna receive an inheritance or you are receiving an inheritance or you have, is take the time to then review your own estate plan. Because there's no better teacher than going through the experience. And if it was a pain in, in the rear, if it was a problem, if you had issues, you ran into roadblocks, these are all things you can learn from to make sure that your beneficiaries, the people you're going to leave your money to, do not have to go through those same issues. So take the time to review that plan. And maybe it's with someone like Taylor that we have here on the show or James Bruce. We have on the show, we have a couple of attorneys that have come on. Maybe it's with your own attorney that you're working with now. If you'd like a recommendation with one of the, you know, to one of the attorneys we work with, Give our office a call or shoot us an email at askbo at pricefg.com. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll be back with more Investing Simplified. When planning for income and retirement, there's a lot to consider. Between managing the budget that fits the family, trying to figure out from where to draw your income, or balancing the tax ramifications of withdrawals, moving into retirement can be overwhelming. At Price Financial Group, we help clients work to create a sustainable retirement roadmap, addressing these concerns and more, and helping folks feel confident in their future retirement income, right when they need it most. If you'd like a financial plan tailored just for you, please don't hesitate and call our office today at 503-253-3000, 503-253-3000 to set up your complimentary consultation. Price Financial Group offers investment advisory services through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. 
You're listening to Investing Simplified. Now, back to Bo Caldwell. Welcome back to Investing Simplified. If you're just now joining me, thank you for making us a part of your day. Whether you're listening on podcasts, you know, iTunes, Odyssey, uh, excuse me, Odyssey, or uh, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for being a part of the show. If you're listening all over the radio waves, I appreciate you tuning in. I was just talking in the last segment about inheritances, right? And if you're gaining an inheritance or think that you might have an inheritance, there's a lot to think about. But in the break, I was really thinking, I felt like I gave short shrift to number four, which is taking another look at your own estate plan and making sure that that is all buttoned up. And one thing I wanted to mention, because I've gotten this question a couple of times via the question line, and if you have a question that's been bugging you, something that's been worrying you about your finances or about your estate plan or about anything that we talk about here on the radio, send that question to askbo at pricefg. Com. That's askbo, A-S-K-B-O, at pricefg.com. Or visit our website to submit that question there because I can assure you if it's something that's been bugging you, someone else has that same question. So one question that has come in uh, a couple of times via that line, and actually I've gotten it several times from different clients, is about estate planning and doing a personal estate plan for folks that don't have a million, two million, three million, four million dollars, Right? A lot of time the pushback I get, especially from folks that maybe don't have a whole lot of uh, assets outside of their home or hard assets they have, they don't have a big retirement plan, they don't have a lot of money saved up, is why would I need an estate plan? And I would argue that the thing you don't necessarily need is you know a big fancy trust and to spend thousands and thousands of dollars. But one thing that I think personally everybody needs to have is a financial power of attorney and advanced directives. Now, I also think you should probably have some sort of a simple will just to make sure that your heirs, your beneficiaries don't have to deal, you know, with, you know, having everything uh, pass what's called intestate. They'll still have to go to court. They'll still have to, you know, get the probate process running, although sometimes a small estate affidavit works if you, you know, if you don't have a big estate. But the financial power of attorney and advanced directives are big deals. And even if all you have is just a little bit of money set aside, Right or just a you know a couple of things, the advanced directive is important because you need to have it set up so that way your doctor and or your children or your personal representative, whoever those people are, know what you want to have happen in an end of life scenario or you know in a potentially you know life support scenario. Because if you're in a situation where you don't want to deal with being on life support. You know, there are a lot of people that don't want to be kept alive in a vegetative state. They don't want to go on a ventilator. And this, you know, has come up a few times in the years since COVID. We had a lot of folks that ended up on, on ventilators. And if that's a situation where you want that DNR, do not resuscitate, you can't just write it on a piece of paper or, you know, I've seen things on the internet where people have tattooed it on their skin. That doesn't work. But if you have a properly set up advanced directive that lets your doctor and your uh, personal representative, and maybe that's a spouse, know what you want. And they don't have to make that decision in that highly emotional time. They don't have to think about it. It takes the pressure off of them, which can be really nice. Right? That, so that's one key. The other key that you need to have, like I said, I think is the financial power of attorney because people don't really think about that. But if you are you know, medically unable to... You know, act for yourself. Let's say you know if you end up 
developing dementia, heaven forbid, or if you are involved in a car accident or you're traveling abroad and detained and whatever reason, you cannot, you know, have your finances taken care of by somebody else without a court order unless you have this financial power of attorney. And I've seen this too many times where, you know, we've got, you know, usually it's mom that's still around because, you know, men, sorry to tell you, but we're, we pass away first, generally speaking, right? So when we do our plans, as an aside, I always have to warn clients, hey, I'm sorry, I'm killing you off first. <laughs> because we do, because generally speaking, the man and men in a married relationship pass away first, generally speaking. Men just have shorter lifespans. So oftentimes it's mom who's left behind. And maybe she's getting a little older, or maybe she's, you know, starting to lose it a little bit. Like I said, she's developing dementia or even just physically unable to do certain things. But there are a lot of, you know, you know, it doesn't stop his bills, right? Medical bills, medical, you know, medical insurance bills, uh, rent. If you're renting a, an apartment or renting a spot in a, in a home, nursing home bills, if you are confined to a nursing home, all those things have to get paid. And unfortunately, just because you have said, yes, you know, Johnny, I, I'd like you to take care of these things. Legally, your son, your daughter, even your spouse cannot access your retirement plans, whether that's your 401k or your IRA. They can't uh, you know, access your social security account in order to direct where that money is going. They can't access your bank accounts unless they are on there as an authorized signer or an owner. Unless they have that financial power of attorney. Most attorneys, the ones we work with certainly, but most attorneys that are worth their salt will include those two pieces as part of your basic estate plan because it is a basic thing that everybody needs. So even if you are listening to this and you say, I don't need an estate plan, a fancy thing, all I have and my furniture and my two cats, right? I got a small apartment that I'm living in and I'm just living off social security and my pension. Yeah, I'd say that's great. You really don't need a fancy estate plan, but you do need a financial power of attorney because your son cannot come in and pay your bills for you if you fall and break your hip because he doesn't have access, because he doesn't have that financial power of attorney. Even though he's going to be taking care of the cats, he's got a key to your house, right? He can't write checks on your behalf. He can't sign things on your behalf. All these things require that financial power of attorney. And so those are the two pieces to me when you're thinking about your own estate plan. And like I said, if receiving an inheritance has uh, sparked that, great. Um, not great because, again, you lost your loved one, but great because you got some money coming in. But making sure to take a look at your particular situation because if you don't have that all buttoned up, there are real issues that can come up, especially I I've seen it happen and I, I mentioned the situation where mom is still around and we're talking about kids, but I've seen it happen all too often where one spouse is the primary breadwinner. They're the primary saver. They've saved up all this money. Now, um, you know, now they're going to retire and then heaven forbid something happens to them. Okay. Now maybe you're, uh, confined to a hospital and you can't get, you know, things done. Maybe you're confined to a nursing home because again, you had that cognitive decline or whatever happens but you've been handling the finances the whole time and now your spouse has no access to it. And again, legally, if all the assets are in your name because they're in your 401k or your IRA that you've been saving up and you know you have $3 million saved in there because you worked really hard and invested well and your spouse you know, stayed home, took care of the kids or, or didn't work as much, didn't save up as much, they cannot access your IRA unless they have that financial power of attorney. So it is something worth exploring. If you would like to know if that's a situation that needs looked at and you'd like us to take a look at it, give us a call, 503-253-3000. We'll talk through how that fits in your overall plan. And again, it is complimentary to radio listeners, so do what so many of our listeners have 
and get that free second opinion, right? And I'm not going to tell you, we're not going to fill out those documents for you. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to draft those. We're not lawyers. We don't do that. We can refer you to attorneys that we trust that will take good care of you. But we'll talk about the repercussions and how that's going to affect your overall financial plan. Because when we're talking about planning for retirement, part of retirement, unfortunately, is that you're going to pass away at some time. And and statistically speaking, if you live long enough, you're going to break down, right, and have some sort of either a long-term care event, a nursing home event, something like that where you're going to need somebody to help. And it absolutely will make your your life easier, but also your spouse or your kids or whoever your primary caregiver's life easier if they have that in place. It's also something as weird as it sounds, but it's something worth discussing with them too. Okay. It's a morbid conversation. It's something that a lot of people don't like to have. Although I have found, you know, funny enough, and it was really hard for me in the beginning of my career because I, you know, I'm still young. So I talk to people about end-of-life stuff, and it feels uncomfortable. But when people get up into their 70s and 80s, and especially those folks in their 90s, they think about it. They live with it. They know that it's coming. None of us gets out of this alive. Do you know what I'm saying? None of us. And so you want to make sure that you have that plan for that situation, should it arise. And that dovetails into... A thing that, you know, I've had a question come up a lot and the thing that I usually recommend, it depends on your particular situation and, you know, it can depend on your faith and how you look at, you know, end of life planning and what happens after you pass away. But I have recommended and, you know, because I have already taken care of it again, it's a long time away from me, but prepaid funeral and burial expenses can be a really good plan. It can be, especially if you think like I do. That stuff is going to continue to cost more. I know that the Fed has said, and I talked about that in the opening segment, the Fed has said disinflation has begun, but disinflation doesn't mean that doesn't mean deflation, right? Stuff's not getting cheaper. It's just hopefully not increasing in cost as much as it has, you know, over time. So paying for that stuff, you know, paying for that at today's prices. So if you were to pay, you know, $10,000 today's prices, what might cost in 10 years if inflation can, I mean, you know, just mathematically speaking, if inflation costs, you know, is going up as much as it is now, it's going to be double to be $20,000 in 10 years. No, I don't think it's going to do that, but hypothetically it could. But paying for those expenses at today's cost can be a real game changer when it comes to the end of life planning and comes to leaving your assets and your estate to your kids or to your beneficiaries, because that's one less thing they have to take care of. And I have, I have one client who, what he did was he wanted to have a party. That was what he specified in his will and in his prepaid expenses. And he didn't want to have a wake, didn't want to have anybody being sad. He just wanted them to have a, a party. He was a party guy in college, loved to have fun. That's what he you know set out in his will was he wanted everyone to have a party and celebrate him. So maybe that's you. Maybe you want to be cremated. Maybe you want to be buried, you know, next to your your you know wife of, of forty years. It, it it just depends on your situation, but it can be great to explore getting that taken care of ahead of time. If again you think like me, that costs are going to go up over time, and it just really takes one more worry off of your mind and one less thing you have to think about when putting that estate plan together. And a lot of times people drag their feet on these pieces because they don't want to think about it. They don't want to plan for it. But like any other situation with procrastination, if you continue to procrastinate, then it builds up. And now instead of, you know, an hour or two here, it's 10 hours and all this other work builds up. So I would, I would urge you to just at least explore it, learn more about it. If you want to know, you know, the, the 
companies that we use, the companies that we refer folks to, give us a call, 503-253-3000. Meet with our team. We'll talk through all this. It's all part of our plan when we talk about a holistic financial plan. Give us a call, 503-253-3000, or visit our website, www.pricefg.com. I'm going to take a last break here, and then I'll be back with more Investing Simplified. If you or someone you know is 65 or older, now is the time to talk about Medicare options. Medicare is an integral part of your financial picture, but there are so many options, it can be confusing and overwhelming. Price Financial Group has recently introduced an experienced Medicare specialist who can provide you with a complimentary consultation to cut through the noise and ensure your Medicare needs are aligned with your overall plan. We have offices conveniently located in the metro area and working with our Medicare specialist won't cost you anything except a bit of your time. Call 503-253-3000 or visit PriceFG.com to schedule your complimentary consultation today. You're listening to Investing Simplified. Now, back to Bo Caldwell. Welcome back to Investing Simplified. I'm Bo Caldwell, CFP, President and CEO of Price Financial Group. As we close out the show here today, I want to say thanks again for listening. Thanks again for tuning in and for downloading our podcast. We really appreciate it. And really to mention, if there's content that you would like to hear us cover, hear our thoughts on, please send that question to askbo at pricefg.com. We're also planning on bringing on some other folks from around the financial industry, we've got we've got Rebecca Levinsky, who's on our team that handles Medicare. We'll have her back on here soon. Now that the annual enrollment period is over, we got a, we've got a couple of mortgage uh, you know folks that have come on from time to time to talk about loans, talk about how to get financing for a business, how to get financing for a home. We'll have Steve Anderson on later this year. He's the property tax guy. We like to have real estate agents with anything that has to do with money. We like to have those folks on here. And we're going to have a guest here in a couple of weeks who talks about a really exciting program you know, that we have available for folks that want to add financial planning to their 401k plan. And the gist of it is, if you want to have an advisor on your 401k plan, you certainly can. And a lot of people don't know that because if you're at, you know, Nike or Intel here, you know, locally, or you're working for, you know, Kroger or one of the hospitals and you have a 403B, you're at, you know, you're a teacher, which thank you very much. You know, if you stuck it out this long, I, I know it's real hard to be a teacher right now. If you're a teacher and you participate in PERS, but you also have your, you know, your outside IEP and 403B, most of the time you have an advisor, and I'm using quotes here, that works your plan. And most of the time, most people know that advisor from the first day of work or maybe the first week because that advisor came on and helped you get enrolled in the 401k or the 403b, helped you set up your salary deferrals and maybe spent five or 10 minutes with you talking about the investment options. And you might be limited. If you're at Nike, I mentioned them specifically because they just cut down their plan. So Nike used to have a ton of different options and they've cut it down to like six or seven options, I believe. I'll have to get the number exact on it, but they've cut their plan you know, offerings inside the plan way down. Intel did the same thing. Used to be a lot of different options out there. Now here's seven or eight mutual funds and most of them are those target date funds. And I want to stress, there's nothing wrong with the target date funds if that's the way that you want to invest. There's nothing wrong with them. They've done just fine over time, right? A lot of, a lot of times people will just put it in, you know, the S&P 500. That's done just fine over time. 
But if you think it might behoove you, it might be helpful to have an advisor build you a plan, talk to you about the different investment options, and maybe, maybe even help you manage those investment options so you don't have to worry about it. And they're going to try to add some alpha. We have a really great opportunity to be able to help you do that. So we use, we use a company that helps to do that. If you're at one of those, you know, most 401ks here around town, most 403Bs here around town, we can help you with that. If you'd like to build up and have an advisor, because one thing I have heard a lot from folks that are working. So if you're in your forties or fifties and you know, you're still working and most of your investable dollars are tied up in that 401k or 403B, a lot of times folks will tell me, yeah, Bo, that's great. I'd love to do planning, but I don't have any assets that I can bring to you. If you have assets in that 401k or 403B and you'd like to hear about maybe how we can help you with those 401k or 403B assets, give us a call. All it takes is a, is a phone call, a conversation. We're happy to chat with you about it and see if it might be a fit for you. Maybe it's not. But worst case is you take a second look at what you've done from a planning standpoint because most folks that I talk to that are participating in that retirement plan, they did that fidelity, you know, single line, you know, retirement plan that got on the website, which is great. And they did it one time, right? The last time you did it was 10 years ago when you started. And that's the case for a lot of folks. So if you haven't looked at it and want to get a second look, give us a call. And all it'll cost you is, a, you know, an hour of your time, maybe two, depending on how many questions you have. And we won't charge you for it. So 503-253-3000 if you'd like to take a look at that. And one of the things that a lot of people have found powerful when we've done that, when we sat down and said, hey, here's here's what I'm thinking in your 401k because what they look at, and if you're in the TSP, this is particularly prevalent because the TSP is a great savings vehicle, but it gives you a projection. It says, hey, if you, you're you on track to be able to get X amount of dollars of return, you know, once you, know, once you, uh, once you retire, you, it'll pay you this much monthly. And all that's doing is taking your current balance, estimating based on average rates of return, and then investing in an annuity and paying you out for the rest of your life. Now, that may not fit for you. That may not be what you want to do. But that's what the TSP or the 403B or 401k is projecting. That's how they get that number that says you could have this much in income for the rest of your life. It's not a real plan that's built out. It's just to give you an idea of how much you could turn it into. And with some of the regulations and you know uh, stuff that have come down about these retirement plans, now they can offer annuities inside of them. And those retirement plans are super happy to do that because they get to get a lot of money and they take a lot of the risk off, right? So seems great for them. May not be great for you. Might be. Might not be, but if you'd like to have a look at it, give us a call and we can take a look because one of the big things that those, you know, projections that they put out don't include is what's called sequence of returns. Now, I mentioned this in the open. There's something I wanted to get to, but sequence of returns is a concept that almost nobody thinks about unless you retired in the last two or three years, in which case it's big on your mind, right? If you retired in 2020 or 2022, Sequence of returns is big on your mind because you were looking at how much money you saved and the market went south, right? Now in 2020, it ended up bouncing back by the end of the year, but in 2022, it did not. So if you think about how that can affect your retirement plans, having a major down year, now maybe it's 2022, maybe it's 2008, right? Maybe that's the first year and a lot of people get burned because they're looking at that average rate of return. And I've talked about averages before and how that can be really be something that misleads you. And you might say, misleads me? I don't mean deliberately misleads you, but if you look at an average return, that really doesn't tell the whole story, right? And I, the reason is because it could be a sequence of returns that hurts you. And the way, where you get hurt with a sequence of returns is if you start the period with down markets. So if we had, let's say you retired 
at the end of 2021, so 2022, and your plan that you did on Fidelity's website, and I, I don't mean to disparage Fidelity, they just have a readily accessible site. Any wherever your 401k is usually has you know a, a click and click and use self you know a quick little financial plan that they put out there for you, which is great, but it uses it an average rate of return, right? And so if you're expecting a certain average rate of return to get you know what to where you're going in your plan, a sequence of returns risk can really be a big risk for you. Let's so let's say you retired with a hundred thousand dollars in uh, you know in, in January of 2021 the market is down 16%. So now at the end of that year you have $84,000. Now let's say 2023 is a huge up year, it's a 16% up year. So down 16% and then up 16%. What's your average return in that situation? Zero, right? So you think, well, you know, it's not great, but at least it was, you know, at least it got back to zero. But it really didn't because if you gain 16% on that 84,000, now you're at 97,000 440. So really you have a negative real return over those two years, even though your average return was zero. Now imagine extrapolate out that we have another down year this year, which is entirely possible considering the recessionary factors and interest rate factors. Let's say you have a down year the second year, 2000, 2001, 2002, three down years in a row, right? Could be, could be that situation. Let's say you have three down years in a row to start your, start your retirement. It takes that much more to get back. If you go down 10%, it only takes, you know, 11 or 12% to get back to break even. But if you go down 20%, it takes 25% return to get back to even. If you go down 50%, it will take a 100% return to get back to break even. So how are you planning for that sequence of returns risk? How are you planning for what could happen if, and I say if, because again, I don't know what's going to happen in the markets going forward. I know that we plan for all eventualities, but what is going to happen? I don't know. But what if the first two years of reti- your retirement are 2000, 2001, and now maybe you have a third year down? What if the first year of your retirement is 2008? And if you're all in stocks, top to bottom, you lost 52%. Now, we made it all back, right, over several years. But if you weren't actively adding money to the portfolio or just leaving it alone, if you're one of the lucky ones that's able to live off your pension and social security and you don't need to touch your retirement dollars, that's great. But I haven't even factored in inflation there, right? I haven't even factored in how much more things cost or a medical emergency, a car accident, car breaks down, furnace breaks, you need a new roof. All these things happen during retirement. And if you haven't planned for them, while thinking about that sequence of returns risk, you can really set yourself up for failure. And our goal at Price Financial Group, and this is the last thought I'll leave you with, our goal here with our clients and anybody we speak to or work with is not to make you rich. Because if I could make everybody rich, quite frankly, I wouldn't be doing this, right? I'd, I'd live in the Cayman Islands somewhere, <laughs> right? But Because I'd make myself rich. But if our goal is to make sure that you don't run out of money and that you're able to live the lifestyle that you expect in retirement. And sometimes that means hard decisions, but a lot of times we've found the best way you can set yourself up for success is having a full holistic financial plan that includes your 401k, your 403b, your advanced directives, your estate planning, all of these pieces all in one spot. If you haven't reviewed that, if you don't have a plan, you're confident that will make you able to achieve your goals or that you can explain to somebody else because you don't understand what your financial person is doing. Give us a call. 503-253-3000. Sit down. Have an honest, frank one-on-one with a member of our team. We all work together to build out your plan so that you can feel comfortable that you are doing all the things you need to do to set yourself up for success. 
I'll leave you with that. Please be safe out there. Be kind to each other. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. And we'll be back next week with more Investing Simplified. Price Financial Group. Wealth Management. The opinions voiced in Investing Simplified with Bo Caldwell are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with an attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investors cannot invest directly in indexes. The performance of any index is not indicative of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. A diversified portfolio does not assure profit or prevent losses in a declining market. Roth IRA conversion is a taxable event. Guests on Investing Simplified are not affiliated with Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated. Investment services offered through Price Financial Group Wealth Management Incorporated, an SEC registered investment advisor. We do investing simplified.